and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ebert Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And tonight on the show, we are once again joined by Vinnie Holloway from Brooksfield Living. And here we've got our second episode in our four-part series on how to become a developer. We're talking about how do you find the land for your first development project. So sweet yesterday we got talking about the money we've got that sorted now let's talk about how we go and find that first property and I think it's important just to recognize first money that there are a couple of different types of developments you can have there's greenfields and brownfields yeah why don't you just explain the difference to people who aren't familiar with those terms yeah sure so greenfields would be like Rolleston Hobsonville Point Pocono areas that have been usually farms and then have been cut up and roads put in and, and shops built and then little ticky-tacky boxes subdivided up into terrible houses. Oh, <laughs> bear in mind, Vinny was one of the big, great endorsers of these previously. And now you're into brownfields, which yeah, sound there much a, better, Brownfields is Even smaller God's, gift, God, God's gift to development. So <laughs> uh, the, basically what brownfields is, is when you're dealing with land that's already developed. So like Christchurch, although developed about 100, 120 years ago, you're buying old bungalows, villas, and removing them from the land and then replacing one house with say three or four or even sometimes up to 20 or 30 depending on the size of the sites you buy. And is it fair to say, Vinny, that most people listening to the show, if they were to get into development, we're probably talking about more Brownsfields developments these days because it's quite hard to get, you know, Greenfields plots of land or am I making that up? Oh, actually, I'm unsure, Reid. I don't really follow too much of the Greenfields development type stuff. I know that there is a bit of, with your bigger land developers like your Rollistons and your Poconos and that sort of thing, I think if you buy a lot of them, you go to the top of the list. But if you want one or two sections, you do have to wait quite a while. Yeah, I think that the Greensfield developments would generally be like a building company, so a GJ's or a Stonewood Homes or something like that, or maybe a builder who's maybe just doing a couple of speckies for himself, whereas the Brownsfield will either be someone that does high volume, like Brooksfield Living, or someone like maybe just an individual investor that's got an old house and they want to put four units on it. So if you're listening to the show, we're probably talking more about the latter side if you're just getting started. And I think some things you're probably going to look for in your first project is probably affordability of that initial property. If you're going to have to be funding that yourself in terms of you're either going to need to pay for it in cash or you're going to have to finance it all against properties that you already own, then you're probably going to be looking in those cheaper areas to get started. Would that be a fair to say, Vinny? Yeah, Ed, I, I suppose at the end of the day is so long as whatever you're going to build on there can sell and make sense. I think that's In it. terms of what you're purchasing the land for. So I guess what you're saying there, Vidi, is that you don't want to be purchasing land in an area where once you knock up a, a 600k townhouse or an 800k townhouse, depending on which part of the country you're in, that there may not be a market there to purchase those properties. Yeah, corrected, yeah. And just walk us through what sort of areas are we probably looking at? We deal in Christchurch, mainly in a city or on the fringes. So if you know Christchurch, you know, you're talking your Edgeware, St Albans, Richmond, Sydenham, Summerfield, Addington. So in a city and around Hagley Park in that case. Yep. And I guess if yep. it's Auckland, I know you've been looking at Auckland in the past. We're probably looking more at the West Auckland, Correct. South Auckland. Yep. Very, very far north, but we're probably not looking at more affluent areas like a Remuera or, we wouldn't, a, or no. a Takapuna. Yep. Well, certainly not if you're building a lot of townhouses. And in Wellington, I know it's more around the huts and Carpety Coast that people are really developing rather than the likes of Wellington City where it gets a bit too expensive. And also, it's, these are places where often there might have been changes to the zoning, so it might allow you to build at a higher density than previously. 
Now, walk us through as well, Vinny, how much research do you really do into an area or a piece of land before you actually go ahead and purchase it? Well, initially, you know, when we started, it was sort of, we were looking for land and, and roads and areas we liked and we picked a few up. And then over time, because of the amount of developments we've done, we've noticed areas that sell and people want to live in a lot more. And it's actually quite surprising in Christchurch where they are. And I mean, even one road over in Christchurch can make all the difference. So now we know why people want to live in an area, what they want out of an area. And so we tend to stick to the places people want. So to answer your question, we do a lot of research into the areas. Good, that's preferable that you're doing more than less. And now, <laughs> let's just walk through the two ways. So people listening to the show, they've gone, they've identified some areas they want to invest in, they've found things that are relatively affordable, they've done their numbers, sweet. How do they get the piece of land? How do they actually secure that specific property that they're looking for? Usually, Ed, so say if you've decided you really want to buy a piece of land in Addington for 400 grand, let's just say, and that, that's how your numbers are going to work and you're going to put four houses on it using the example we did yesterday. I mean, there's a few ways to do it. Mostly at the moment, we get our land from real estate agents or private owners calling us directly because we've done something in their area. But we initially, to find it, we used to do a lot of as is, where is house buying and fixing. And through those connections with people we had bought houses off or had spoken to about that, we bought quite a few old as is, where is houses in Christchurch. And how we found those generally, was just being out on the street and talking to the people, talking to the neighbours that we'd bought a house from and all of that sort of stuff. Christchurch has obviously changed a lot and there's hardly any earthquake-damaged houses compared to what there was. But you could do the same process yep. in Auckland. If you're out there, I know door knocking, people will still go out there in order to do this. They'll be doing letterbox drops if they're looking for specific off-market deals. And I know one of the family members of somebody in my team here at Opus will do letterbox drops directly. He gets them handwritten overseas. Somebody will literally do it in, in a country where wages are a bit cheaper. They'll handwrite them out. What, every single one? Yep, handwrite every single one out, ship them over here, and he has a special wax stamp, for instance, that he waxes and stamps every single letter, drops them off in the letterbox. Are you I'm sure, serious? I'm sure people in these areas would love to see a developer's <laughs> wax stamp. <laughs> 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 Apparently it seems to work for really? us. Uh, All I'm saying is Scrooge that- McDuck. <laughs> <laughs> Scrooge McDuck would like to buy your house. <laughs> well, let's be. <laughs> Uh, as if developers don't get a bad enough. Yeah, I reckon they turn up in their limousine with their cigar and fur coat to purchase your property. <laughs> to be fair, let's be honest, the letter probably says that it's for some couple who are just looking to get this started. Oh, do you know the problem is with the letterbox drops though, Ed, is that it used to work really well when we were the only ones doing them, but now we've found that a landowner will get three, four letters dropped in their letterbox a month at the moment because wow. of the how, amount of demand. Because of the amount of demand. That's amazing. Yeah. And so that their effectiveness is, is being muted, I guess. And I yep. suppose that's why off here we were talking about that you're doing a lot more through real estate agents now. Yeah, because most people now, in a market like it is currently, especially in Christchurch, 
people know that their house is worth a lot of money and it's shot up in value and it's really hard for them to know exactly what it is because it's changing day by day here. So their best bet is to definitely go through an agent whereas when the market was stagnant in Christchurch for sort of six or seven years, they could sell it off market and they would know what it was worth because yes. prices were fairly similar to what they were last year. Okay, so we've gone through some real estate agents or we've dropped some letters now, we've found that piece of land. How do you evaluate? Now, you know, you're now talking to some who owns a bit of land, how do you evaluate whether the site has the potential to be developed? How do you figure out how many properties you can actually get on there? Well, there's a few things to consider. First is obviously the amount of houses you can fit on there. So let's just say you're going to put three houses on it. You need to know, and I always work on absolute worst case, what would they sell for? So you do need to be able to do a valuation on them. And you can either get that done professionally or now, with the amount we've done in the different areas, I, I know what a two-bedroom plus a study and sprayed in is going to sell for. So when you're talking about actually getting them valued, you're having the plans being drawn up and then you go and get them valued? You want some sort of idea like that would be in a perfect world, Ed. You might not want to go through the whole process to find out it's not worth buying the land, but essentially, yes. So how do you actually figure out how many properties you can get on there? Is it that you take a best rough guess or you go to a land surveyor or...? Usually a land surveyor. Between the land surveyor and the city council that you're dealing with, you'll be able to find out. And so we're potentially spending a bit of money on these professionals up front before we've even purchased the land to make sure that it actually stacks up as an investment. Yeah, correct, Ed. And the other hard thing is at the moment, because there's so much competition, a lot of the time to buy the land, you're going to need to be unconditional yeah. as well. So so, you, uh, so you're taking quite a big risk. And so if you get it wrong and then discover, for example, I heard about a site that one of the large developers was looking at and it was a pipe running right through it and it would have actually meant that they weren't going to be able to put the number of units on that they were expecting if had they not done that research. And so you end up, you know, knocking off two units, all of a sudden you're making a loss, right? Correct. Now walk us through as well, Vinny, how do you figure out what to pay for the land? So if we know that we're going to need to go <coughs> unconditional on it before we actually go and do some of these things, how do you negotiate that with the vendor? So you need to know how your numbers work. And we went over that yesterday and figured out exactly you know, how much you're making on a development. So you need to make sure once you've done the four houses, what's the most you can pay for the land to make it work. And a lot of lenders or banks will have requirements for a minimum margin as well. So a lot of people work off that, other people work off, you know, just something that they like to make per development. And so you're working backwards from that to say, hey, the maximum that I can pay for this, the value of it might be 400k, but the max I can pay is maybe 460. And then it's just whoever's the better negotiator to get down to a price you're happy with. <laughs> Absolutely, Ed. And yeah. often you've got a kind of a general rule that you might work on, you know, between 100 and 120 a site roughly to, for, for just the purchase. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, in Christchurch. I mean, it's jumped up a couple of years ago. We were paying fifty or $60,000 a house site in Brownsfield yeah. development. So that yeah. means, you know, if you're putting four on there, you're paying 200000 And now a lot of places in the same area are up to sort of 130 to 170 wow, a house site. Wow, big difference. Yeah. And I imagine that if we're going out, we're looking for properties, we're talking to our real estate agents, we're doing our letterbox drops in order to get a pipeline of potential properties that we might like to purchase. How many 
ballpark would you say no to before you you're like <laughs> yeah okay I'll purchase this one how many do you have to choose um yeah well Ed, that's yeah that's a good question we have a relatively systemized land buying process and we probably seriously look at and make offers on around 15 pieces of land to one purchase wow and so what would it have been when you started well, actually, when we started, we could have done a lot more if we'd known what we know now, if that makes sense, because the market was a lot easier to buy land there, but we didn't have the knowledge. So we were probably around about the same, but for different reasons. So yeah. I think the key message to people here is that it's not just your time that you're going to be having to look for these properties, but you're potentially going to say no to 14 properties before you say yes to your last one. Got to cuss a few frogs. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, Ed. Yeah, you do. And, and that um, probably goes to show how choosy you potentially have to be in order to find something that actually fits with those numbers. Yep. You're not just going to buy the first property down the street because you're like, oh, that's a big section, might be able to get that. And actually, this is probably where a lot of armchair developers go wrong. So I've seen in the past people who have a site and the ability to develop on that site makes them think that that makes it a viable development, which is not the case necessarily. Same as, you know, not every rental property is a good investment. Or they're just so desperate to get something that they go and pay too much for the land and again forget about those additional things that you have to add on before you end up with your site that you can actually build on and that's where you know they do it for nothing. Yeah exactly Andrew and I guess the key thing as well is you've always got to remember purchasing land and selling houses isn't exactly linear so it's all very well to go and pay too much for land just so that you can build some houses and make a little bit less. But the problem is you've always got to be looking at what's over the horizon. Where's the market going? Are there going to be buyers for this tomorrow? What happens if suddenly there is no buyers and I've committed to buying a piece of land? What am I going to do? Am I going to be able to refinance it or is the bank going to come take my house? Fantastic. Hey, <laughs> let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, make sure you tune in tomorrow because, Vinny, we're going to let you off for this specific one for the next episode. But Andrew and I are going to be talking about the rising costs of development, of what things actually cost and the inflation that developers are experiencing. But then we're going to get you back again for how do I actually get this project complete. So make sure you tune in for these. It's going to be a great time. Listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ebert Knight. I'm Andrew Duncan. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.